Hi, this is Ben Eshmaid and welcome to the King's Place podcast. The London Guitar Festival returns to King's Place from the 19th to the 26th of October this year, featuring concerts and workshops from world-class musicians Shufei Yang, Nigel North, Danny de Moron, Tolis Valerius, Gianna Lucci Corona, Tia Iolas and our podcast artist for this edition, the dynamic and virtuosic Eden Stell guitar duo. As the name suggests, this is a duo comprising of Mark Eden and Christopher Stell, who this year celebrate 25 years of performing together. We caught up with them in Hall 1, where they'll be performing to talk about their career to date and hear them give a sneak preview performance, especially for this podcast. Hi, my name's Chris Stell. Uh, I'm part of the Eden Stell guitar duo. I've been playing with Mark Eden now for 25 years. Uh, my name is Mark Eden. I'm the other half of the Eden Stell guitar duo. And yes, um, it's been a while we've been playing together and um, and uh, we're very happy to be here at King's Place um, performing later on this month. Yes, I mean, that's, good. that's a good place to start. I mean, 20, 25 years. When you start a project like this, do you envisage, is it supposed to last forever? Not at, not at all. I would say, actually, we didn't actually think of it as a project. We were thrown together at the Royal Academy of Music when we were just really in our first year. We were given a piece by Stephen Dodgson called Promenade to Learn, and we were playing as part of the Dodgson Festival at the Academy at the time. Um, obviously, the piece at that time was way too big for us, but it really did get us going. Um, yes, I mean, it's it's really quite shocking that it's been this long, but actually it hasn't felt like 25 years at all. It's just been, it's just gone in a flash. And um, it's been amazing, actually, just spending this year, just looking back a little bit. Um, I don't want to get too nostalgic because I just feel like I'm not quite old enough to really go there yet. But um, it, we've covered quite a lot of things. We've done, done lots of stuff. And I think it's great that London Guitar Festival are kind of celebrating this with us. So um, I'm really pleased to be here and very proud of all our kind of achievements we've done so far. The secret of your success, why have you stayed together? Why does it work so well? Well, I think it's a balance between taking it deadly serious and really, really wanting it to be as good as we can be, but at the same time, stepping back a bit and not getting so involved, not getting, just giving ourselves space, giving ourselves space to think. And also, I'd say, trying to come up with just new, fresh ideas and sharing our sort of passion for sort of thinking up new ideas and taking it in a different direction. I mean, we're always very keen to talk to our audience. We're very keen to sort of break that barrier down. So hopefully the concerts feel... When they need to be focused and serious, but also there's elements of fun, humour. And I think Mark and I, we've always had a policy of never using a score. And that opens it up as well because it brings you close to the audience. And it does mean that I can watch Mark very closely, he can watch me. So you do get that buzz you get with perhaps that kind of natural music making you get in the more popular styles, certainly in bands and things where you see the members looking, communicating. I think that's really important for us as a duo. And things like the Ramo, it's lively music. It's really energetic music. It's colourful. It's rhythmical. It needs that. And if you communicate that and you break down those barriers, I think the audience come with you.
And the pieces aren't all serious. I mean, a lot of Ramo's uh, fantastic titles are really quite lightweight, and, and he wants to make people laugh, particularly the piece that uh, we played here today, The Collection of Birds, where Ramo's using the, the ornament of the trill to imitate birdsong. Now, on the keyboard, that's great, because he's sort of basically imitating the left and right hands, but with the duo, it's even more funny, because you've actually got the two guys playing one low, one high, and the communication and that sort of visual element to it really brings the piece to life and I think people do come along with us there I think we try and exploit that it was interesting just watching you two together I mean you were talking about obviously looking at each other but I thought there was at times you weren't looking at each other you were I don't know are you sensitive not to put the other person off at certain points no no, no it's an interesting thing this because of course there I do watch Mark very closely because Mark very much leads the ensemble you have to have a leader so I'm actually watching him and he's giving me very subtle signals about where to place notes and things it's a bit like a conductor really so that's quite important I, I, th- I was watching you actually oh, okay. that's really weird I thought you were the leader that's why it's not working. <laughs> God damn it. 25 years it's taken to get that right. But no, I think there are moments, though, particularly if you have a solo, if you're taking a free solo, like in the Monpo, where we have certain elements of the piece require real flexibility in the phrase, and the other person really is just supporting that. Then, of course, I mean, certainly for myself, I tend to shut my eyes, tend to try to phrase that as I need to phrase that, and then Mark very much has to follow that, and vice versa. I mean, it certainly isn't primo secondo. We do sort of bounce back ideas and the, the duo sort of like uh, someone will take the lead another one will take the lead so so there is this toing and froing so it's yeah it's a varied approach did, did that happen straight away or again as we're talking about 25 years is, is this is this a kind of subconscious language that's sort of developed I suppose uh, well I think we do have we, we have we have been actually told that we do actually have our own language uh, which is really slightly disconcerting we once got told somebody overheard our, our rehearsal and just said it was actually sort of like two cavemen talking to one another and these kind of grunts and and things like this and it was hardly anything said so in a way we have got like a I suppose a natural shorthand way of discussing musical things uh, when we're rehearsing we tend to sort of like you know loop little bits of music together and sort of keep practicing it and things like that until we get the sort of like the continuity or how we want to listen to the other one phrasing but I must admit you know I mean over the years definitely how we have almost got this kind of synchronized breathing of the music together it's funny how the phrasing and things like that we we agree very quite easily about what's good what's not good whereas before you know I mean when we first started obviously it was it was probably pretty bad you know in the sense we're just really young guitarists and in some ways um, I think that's probably why we've come together so well because we weren't formed musicians. Um, let's have a second track. What were you going to play next? Okay, in the next piece, I think it would be nice if Mark introduces. Actually, we're going to play a piece by Monpo. Yeah, so Federico Monpo has, uh, has been a big passion for both of us actually as a composer. Uh, he's obviously predominantly a piano composer, and throughout his life, he composed these cancions e danzas, these songs and dances, and um, many of them are kind of based on Catalan folk songs, uh, but he also, you know, delved into sort of, you know, medieval uh, influences and impressionism and little bits of jazz and things like this. It, it suits the guitar beautifully, and I've, um, I've, I've deranged all 14 of them. <laughs> and we're recording them again with um, uh, BG who is sort of you know IGS uh, record label um, and um, we're you know we're gonna, it's going to be a, a fantastic project and it's you know it's one which I think we both agree is one of our favorite things we've worked on so far.
and with Mon Pals, I was looking um, online, and I, I, there's a great description here. It says it's sort of it's the um, the sounds and smells of the maritime quarter of Barcelona. Yeah, no, that's I mean that is really it. I mean, especially pieces like um, Suburbs, which is just one. I mean, that really made him famous, and uh, and you know he became the sort of darling of all the uh, sort of impressionistic composers, you know, after Debussy and stuff. But yeah, he's 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 just one of these inspirational composers. There is sort of really true music. There's no artifice in it or anything like this. It's just really fantastic stuff. I wanted to talk about just the, the practicalities of the performance and, and, and the guitar itself. I mean, the, the, there's probably a lot of things that people wouldn't necessarily know. So, I mean, when you do perform live on this stage, you, you're unamplified, aren't you? you? You've got to fill the room yourselves. Absolutely. It's. Um, I think that's that's the thing. Actually, the guitar really is about the sound. And because the guitar has this unbelievable palette of tones you know is you know it's often been called like a sort of mini orchestra you know you can create all these beautiful touches and, and beautiful tone colors very vivid ones and almost some some sound effects and things like that it does have this kind of you know myriad of of color and I think that's very important that you know guitarists really understand that and and do that because that's a sort of magical world of, of the guitar. And I think you, you know what's so important is that when you come along to a concert hall as a guitarist, you you sort of pray that you have the right kind of environment, the right kind of acoustic, which is going to really let the guitar blossom. But uh, you know we're very lucky here at King's Place because this hall I think is about one of the best ones in London to to get. I just thought I'd say that. I haven't been paid to say that. That, don't worry <laughs> those guitars look pretty standard to me i mean are, are these are these million dollar guitars are these uh, can you tell me a little bit more about uh they're, they're, well <laughs> they're christopher deans okay yeah. now no they, they are i mean obviously traditionally built uh guitars so they're they're sort of taken from well my guitar is built on a maker called friedrich which is a very famous maker um and that's to do with the the way the guitar is strutted inside and the weight and the materials it's basically a spruce top and at the back it's a brazilian rosewood uh, and it's a traditional build, but it's made by an English maker, Christopher Dean. Um, I've played, I think this will be about the 12th guitar I've had off him now. I, I've played it for the last 25 years, his guitars, and they are very special. Uh, Chris manages to create a quality in his instruments that I find hard to find in a lot of other instruments. He creates um, the right projection, volume, depth of sound, but also a warmth. Uh, and what we're looking for as a duo is this total um, sort of like, uh, well, really, it's the depth of field so that we've got everything under our fingertips. And Chris's guitars are not only strong on the top, but they've got the most amazing resonance in the bass. And I think, I think that's something we've just got used to. And I think it's important to say we're spruce players, and there is a big divide between classical guitarists, between cedar and spruce. And for us, the spruce sound, uh, here's my analogy. The spruce sound is like the single malt whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's got very special overtones that you have to really understand and find and work at. The cedar is like a, a blend. It's a good whiskey. You can drink it every night of the week and it won't ever let you down. I've now worked out what you do after the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm really, I, all I kept thinking about, go, there's a true whiskey lover there. The, the next piece is basically from Piazzolla's Tango Suite, which was originally written for two guitars. So this is a piece that has been conceived for the two instruments. Um, 
Obviously, Piazzolla is an iconic composer, and he's really responsible for the new age of tango. In fact, creating tango music not just for dancing, but for listening to. And obviously, there's many arrangements for two guitars of his music, but this was uh, originally written for the instruments. And I think um, it brings together every element of the tango and Piazzolla's unique ability to turn it on its head, use interesting harmonies and driving rhythms. It's interesting to note, actually, when Piazzolla was actually writing his new tango, uh, there was a contract taken out on his life because he offended so many people with this new approach to what was such a tradition in Armenia. So that's quite something. So uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna actually play the second movement of of Tango Suite. Tell me a little more about what you've got planned for this concert. The programme, again, just kind of reflects very much what we've been doing over 25 years. Um, so we, we love playing uh, Baroque pieces, arrangements. Um, they work beautifully, especially all the harpsichord music, uh, particularly French Baroque stuff, so lots of Rameau and uh, Couperin. We're also playing, uh, again, this piece by Johannes Muller, who's a great Swedish uh, guitarist and composer. And again, that reflects you know, all that sort of background, but um, with, with new pieces. And um, we're doing a piece by Sergio Assad as well, who's a Brazilian guitarist, and he also plays in a wonderful guitar duo, and has basically been a big hero of ours. And then, as Chris said, you know, the tango, the tango music is uh, a great original um, piece as well, because it was, again, written for the Assad brothers, and uh, we've always wanted to play that piece. You're saying um, you're playing without music must be hard especially after 25 years to have all that music floating around in your head well yeah sometimes it floats out of my head as well and that's even harder especially when you're on a live platform we've had some we've had some interesting rides let's put it that way where um, things haven't always gone according to plan and that can actually be devastating particularly when we were younger and we did some very, very, very difficult projects. I remember doing this minimalistic piece by David Bedford called Verses and Choruses, which is basically just seven minutes of a repetitive figure that gets longer and longer. Um, and had we got out, that would have been the end of the concert. But I remember just practicing that piece just over and over and again. So just making sure it couldn't go wrong. I mean, I'm way too old for that now. I just, <laughs> I have to have a tune just to hang well, on the, to. The Johannes, the Johannes Muller piece, oh, actually. Yeah. That Well, that actually was something, you know, when Johannes sent us that piece, this piece, When Buds Are Breaking, um, it, you know, it, it, we asked for him for sort of a piece about seven minutes long. And this like kind of, 15 nearly I don't know how long it is a 16 minute piece arrived and it's got this whole amazing section at the end called the called the journey and again it's got basically it's kind of these little um, rhythmic overlaying patterns I suppose it you know I wouldn't want to call it minimalistic but because it, it doesn't sound minimalistic if you think of that style you know it took actually about a year of playing it and 
getting it sort of slightly wrong each time for about a year uh, until it kind of actually synchronized. I hate to say that, but you know, in a way we were kind of just about getting away with it, but, but the memory was so hard. It was just so incredibly intense to try and do it. Anyway, we, we've got it now. And I must admit, when, when we play that piece, people come up at the end and say, wow, that's insane. You know, even other musicians, they sort of come up and say, I don't know how you've memorized that piece, especially when we showed them the score as well. They're like, you know, they ask, you know, is it improvised? You know, you must be improvising this bit. I was going, no, every single note is like absolutely timed and meticulously. It's insane. So yeah, that was a scary one. And, you know, we had we did say to him a number of times when we were learning it, we're just too old for this. I think, I think our time has run out, but I, I want to wish you uh, the best of luck with the concert and hopefully see you in another 25 years. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Eden Stell's 25th anniversary concert is on Saturday, the 25th of October in Hall 1, and they lead a classical guitar workshop on the Sunday. This year's London Guitar Festival runs from the 19th to the 26th of October and features concerts, international artist debuts, new music commissions, workshops, and a special tribute to Paco de Lucia. I'm Ben Eshmade and you've been listening to a King's Place podcast. For more details about these events and ticket links, visit kingsplace.co.uk forward slash LGF. Thanks for listening.